everyone. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And today we have a guest. Woo! We're very excited. Uh, please welcome Shelby Van Rosen. Hey, everybody. Shelby, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy that you are here. Shelby is um, a longtime listener and true fan of the podcast, which we really appreciate. And Shelby also introduced us to a book series that we had been avoiding for a very oh long God. time. Yeah. The series gets a lot of hype. And after you're told to read a series so many times, you sort of start to avoid it. Just, I don't know, out of principle. I mean, I didn't pick it up because the cover didn't look that interesting to me. But I'm so glad that I picked it up. <laughs> I've heard that some people call it a white whale. Um, like, I think we all have these literary white whales. And for some people, like this really popular series becomes something that they feel like they have to read, um, yeah. not something that they want to read. So we I, should tell yes. people what the series is. So today we are delving into A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Just an FYI, we're only going to be talking about the first book. There will be no spoilers for the rest of the series, but there may be a few spoilers for the first book. We will try to warn you in advance when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just really I just loved it. I loved this series so much. I'm already on the fourth one. So I know. You're breezing <laughs> through. I'm still waiting for the second one to arrive at my home. Oh, Margaret, you're gonna love it. Oh, Julia. I wish you had a longer <laughs> name. Juliana. <laughs> When I first read the series, I read the entire series in a week as well. Like it's just mm -hmm. once you get started, you have to know what's happening. You have Absolutely. to. And the fourth one is so much shorter than mm -hmm. the third one. I was just is it it looks like a novella compared to the the second and third. So I think of the fourth book as a Christmas special. That's kind of the vibe I get from it. That's the vibe that I was getting as I'm reading it. I'm just like, hey, I could just read this at Christmas time. Is it set during Christmas? Yeah, during the nice. winter solstice, yeah. Very cool. Well, should I hit us up with a little summary? Please do. Feyre's survival rests upon her ability to hunt and kill. The forest where she lives is a cold, bleak place in the long winter months. So when she spots a deer in the forest being pursued by a wolf, she cannot resist fighting it for the flesh. But to do so, she must kill the predator, and killing something so precious comes at a price. Dragged to the magical kingdom for the murder of a fairy, Feyre discovers that her captor, Tamlin, his face obscured by a jeweled mask, is hiding far more than his piercing green eyes would suggest. Feyre's presence at the court is closely guarded, and as she begins to learn why, her feelings for him turn from hostility to passion, and the fairy lands become an even more dangerous place. Feyre must fight to break an ancient curse, or she will lose him forever. Dun, dun, dun. I think we should end all of your summaries like that. That was a very nice summary. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys want some fun facts? Please. Awesome. Right. I've got four of them. They were kind of hard to find, actually. And I was like trying not to spoil myself at the same time. It was a really delicate balance of looking at her website while also trying to come up with fun facts. All right. So the first one, Sarah J. Moss was genuinely upset when on her 16th birthday, no fantastical creature appeared to tell her she was magic. On her 16th birthday, she was upset yeah. by this? Yeah. Which I, I had mean, actually read this too. Um, and that's why she writes about um, like magical and special girls because mm -hmm. she wishes she could be one. Um, I was like, I feel that actually on a very deep level. <laughs> Like, it wasn't just 16 for me. I'm okay. still upset that I'm not a magical creature. Me too. That's my thing is every single year I'm upset. But mm -hmm. Sarah J. Moss was like, I'm not magical at 16. Then I'm going to write no a book. Hope. <laughs> it was 11. It was definitely 11 for me when I didn't get my Hogwarts letter. Yes. Yeah. That was the start of it. And then the other three facts are from like a Twitter thread. I'm going to go backwards. Three. She kept a Gossip Girl-style blog in high school, which the cool kids competed to appear in. No, she didn't. Apparently, yes. <laughs> which I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool um, and funny. Competing just for this girl's gossip blog is really funny. So I wonder if she was anonymous 
and people were just like, this blog talks about our school. She must have been anonymous. Can you imagine being public in high school talking about your peers? No. 90% of her inspiration come from movie scores, especially Disney ones, which I could see. She has some pretty epic scenes that I think would work with Disney. And finally, she has an unhealthy obsession with Henry Cavill's abs. Of all the abs in the world, she picked Henry Cavill. (laughs) Oh, Oh, shots fired. Yeah, Henry Cavill's abs. So all of those I thought were kind of funny. Um, There weren't any – those were all just from like Google searching fun facts because there weren't any fun facts on her website. And I kept getting like more and more anxious as I was like digging through it. So I was like, nope, we're leaving. Can't stay here. I liked your fun facts. So thank you, Julia. Thanks. So now that we've got those out of the way, I have a warm-up question for you both. Did you ever have a fairy phase? So I never had an actual fairy phase. I would say that I just have a magic phase that, um, as we had discussed earlier, really has not gone away. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think reading Harry Potter like early in kindergarten just kind of indoctrinated me with that love of magic and everything fantastical. Um, I mean, fairies are certainly part of that, but I don't think I was the type of girl who was always just about fairies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maggie? Yeah, I would say same. I don't really think I ever had a fairy phase. I also didn't read a lot of fairy books in general. I mostly read about other magical creatures or like witches and wizards, and that was the magic that I tended to focus on. So no, this might be like the most fairy related book I've read. Uh, so you're you're entering into your fairy phase. <laughs> well, I absolutely had a fairy phase and love when I get to pop back into it every now and then. But it was like high school, I think early high school, late middle school that I was definitely very into fairies, including Tinkerbell, because I think that's when like a lot of their movies were coming out when they started doing like that kind of stuff. But yes, I had a fairy phase. Nice. I do remember liking those fairy movies. With yeah, they're really all good. All of her fun friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're very cute, actually. I watch they them a lot with the kids that I've nannied, and they're they're cute. I did um, like a character breakfast in college for my theater program, and I was Tinkerbell for it. I was like, guys, I can only be Tinkerbell. Like, please make it, make it happen. <laughs> um, because I'm only like – half an inch too tall to be a fairy at Disney World. Um, so I needed it to happen some other way. And so I'm walking around this character breakfast and this little girl asks me about my sister, like Tinkerbell's sister. And I hadn't seen that movie yet. And so I looked like wide-eyed at her mom. It was just like, she's good. And it just like rolled off with it. And then right after the breakfast, I went and watched the next Tinkerbell movie because I was like, oh no. You got to know about her sister. What's her name? Periwinkle? Yes, I think so. Well, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shelby, how did you come across this book? So uh, as I was telling Maggie earlier, I am surprised I did not read this series earlier. So it's somewhat of a cult classic um, known by fans as Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses. And mm-hmm. I discovered it on TikTok um, when I started getting into TikTok and looking for book recommendations. Um, so of course I picked it up as a fantasy reader. And after the first, first book, I was hooked and certainly read through the first series or the first um, couple of books in that first week. I have seen it cross TikTok a couple of times. And I, there's one video where it calls this book Fairy Smut. And <laughs> so that's just what I've been referring to it as. <laughs> Just in my everyday, like, sorry, can't, reading fairy smut. Bye. Incredible. (laughs) It's certainly spicier than Tinkerbell movies. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Um, A little, yes. (laughs) Like, just wait, Maggie. Just keep reading. Can't wait. So what makes, is this a favorite book for you? And if it is, what makes this a favorite book for you? So I would say that A Court of Thorns and Roses isn't my all-time favorite fantasy novel, but it's definitely like in the realm of favorite series. Um, Definitely like the favorite fantasy novel I've 
uh, got recommended from Book Talk. Um, I love that it's fun and inventive. Um, I think it checks a lot of boxes that I look for in like a really good book. I think for a lot of people, it's a really good intro into the fantasy genre in general, if you're not typically a fantasy reader. I also think that it kind of bridges YA fantasy into adult fantasy. Um, the latter half of the series is certainly adult fantasy, but the first book kind <laughs> of tiptoes into it. Um, I also really like Feyre as a heroine in the novel, and I like that she, Sarah J. Moss, the author, really plays with the Beauty and the Beast trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, I would definitely add this series into a favorites. And because they're paperback, I destroyed all the spines. So <laughs> I actually have the hardcover versions of them all because I'm kind of a hardcover snob. <laughs> That's awesome. I tell Maggie quite frequently I like destroying the the bindings of paperbacks. I just like knowing that I've loved these books. Like I've read them so hard that they're broken. Um, right. But you do it the first time you read the book. You just break the binding. <laughs> that doesn't count. I That's just know love. I'm going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Look at my paperback binding. Perfect. You ready? Beautiful. You ready? Oh, why do you hate it? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. I tell Julia, a piece of me dies every time she breaks the binding. Every time I broke it, I thought of you. I was just like, I hope Maggie kind of feels a twinge and thinks of you. you. So I recently moved in um, with my partner and he reads books in a different way than I do. Like I like to have very nice copies of all of my books and he definitely is more of a Julia style book reader, which is so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) You need to look nice. They do. So next question in A Court of Thorns and Roses and not any of the other books, do you have a favorite line or section you'd like to share? So I have a favorite line and a favorite section. Ooh, share both. (laughs) So the favorite line is something that I didn't pick up the first time, but when I reread it, it really kind of stuck out to me. Um, So it's the last line in the first chapter. um, And it's like after Feyre has killed the wolf and she's taking the carcass of the deer back and she says, or thinks, but this was the forest and it was winter. And um, that really stuck with me because I felt like it was really indicative of how harsh Pharaoh's world was at the time and the types of things she was going through. Like she had to kill this deer and this wolf to feed her family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just really stuck with me. As far as section goes, I love the summer solstice scene where Pharaoh gets to dress up like one of the fae and they go out and dance and have fairy wine. It's just like a very like lighthearted moment. And like Tamlin's playing the fiddle. And I feel like it would translate well to the screen and be a really fun scene. That was one of the first or maybe the second scene where she just like let go. She had been hanging on to like being alone and like not trying to make friends or anything, not really enjoying her her predicament. And that one, I felt like she really just let go. Absolutely. I feel like it was a really good character-defining moment for both mm-hmm. Feyre and Tamlin. They both opened up to each other in a different way. They both let their guard down a little bit. And also, in general, the book is pretty serious, fairly dark, and this was completely different from that. It was so joyful. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think she had to write something like that in it to give readers a chance to just experience the like love and joy that Tamlin and mm-hmm. Feyre were experiencing. Yeah. Maggie, do you have a favorite line or section? I have a little section I want to share. It's not really revealing of any plot. I don't know why it stuck out to me, but when I read it, I just loved the writing. And I think this is a really great introduction for those of you who are interested in reading this book to get a glimpse as to how Sarah J. Moss writes. I thought it was really beautiful. So I'm just going to read it out loud. I eased into a more comfortable position and calmed my breathing, straining to listen to the forest over the wind. The snow fell and fell, dancing and curling like sparkling spindrifts, the white fresh and clean against the brown and gray of the world. And despite myself, despite my numb limbs, I quieted that relentless, vicious part of my mind to take in the snow-veiled woods. So good. That is is very, very gentle. Very Mm -hmm. soothing. Yeah. 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 What about you, Julia? 
Mine is less soothing. It's really just funny. So this is from the character Alice. I think it's Alice, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is probably about a third of the way through the book. And it's like a semi-spoiler. But Alice's lips thinned. But she said, the next time that fool Lucian gives you advice on how to trap the cereal, you come to me. Dead chickens, my sagging ass. All you needed to do was to offer it a new robe and it would have groveled at your feet. That's a good one. I think Alice is a really funny character. Alice is is. a really funny character. (laughs) Like she is kind of the comic relief or she's the touchstone that Feyre has. She, I think, is the first one that Feyre really warms up to or like – Yes, definitely. Bridges – starts to bridge the trust between Feyre and Faye. And she's kind of like a motherly figure too. Yeah. Feyre really doesn't have that in her life now that her mother died and – Alice is kind of, she's kind of like grumbly and kind of harsh at times, but Mm -hmm. I think she kind of gives her the tough love that Farrah needs. Alice is just doing her job. Like there's no hidden motive. There's no ulterior motive for all of the stuff that she's doing. She is literally just there to help Farrah. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. She is really, really cool. And just to keep everybody up to speed, Alice is... I don't want to call her a servant. No, she's like a lady in waiting. Yeah, I was going to say handmaiden is also not the right word, but lady in waiting sounds good. And she's tasked with taking care of Feyre after Feyre kills the wolf, who's a fairy in disguise. She is forced to live um, in Tamlin's court, in the spring court in the fairy lands. Mm -hmm. And... She's sentenced to live there for the rest of her life. And Alice basically becomes her confidant, sort of, someone she can lean on. And Alice is supposed to take care of her, basically. Mm -hmm. In like a grumpy, motherly way. I love it. You guys know I love some no-nonsense characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Shelby or Julia, whoever wants to answer first, do you have a least favorite thing about this book? I can go first. So... The first time and the second time around on this book, my least favorite thing is still her family. Um, and to be fair, I think her family does grow throughout the series. But especially in this first book, um, I just really hate her sisters. Um, I think her dad kind of can get like a pass for not taking care of his family a little bit because he's like emotionally distraught and he's like physically disabled. Um, but her sisters are just so cruel to her and they don't yeah. help her. She's the youngest of the family and she's out in this stark woods killing animals just to survive. Mm -hmm. I also think that um, it's just really frustrating how when she comes back, they're still cruel. And even though Nesta kind of has this remembrance of what happens, um, there's still no love between them. Um, So that really frustrates me. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. (laughs) The family, the family dynamic is so frustrating it's so frustrating i mean yeah that's all i really i don't have anything to add other than 100 percent. yes maggie i mean i didn't enjoy her family but sort of i think the hardest thing for me i don't know if it's my least favorite but i just wasn't really interested in tamlin as a romantic lead (laughs) i thought he was kind of boring (laughs) Mm-hmm. and I didn't really get the appeal. They had like two conversations where he didn't growl at her. And <laughs> so kind of him. <laughs> then all of a sudden Pharaoh was like, hmm, oh God, I, I want him to you. kiss me so badly. <laughs> I'm in love. I'm like, no, you just spent your whole life with a toxic family and now someone's paying you attention. Yeah. Yeah. There, so there's there's one conversation between them that I really like, which is when he learns that she likes to paint. I think that yes. is the cutest conversation because she like he's been asking her what she wants to be happy in his household, and she's just like nothing. Don't give me anything. And finally, um, <laughs> finally, she's like paint. I do want. I want paint. And he's like. <gasps> you like to paint? And she's like, uh, 
And and she's like, I'll work for it. Like I can do stuff. He's like, no, 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 you'd be a hindrance. Paint all over and just like <laughs> do it. <laughs> and I just think that's so cute because like she's finally getting comfortable enough to do things that she likes to do. And his response to it just being so surprised. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I do think that's a cute scene. Uh, but Maggie, I agree with you. I don't think that Tamlin and Feyre's love story is the best love story of the series. No. Um, and those of you who have read the rest of the series know that that is true. Um, I think of Tamlin, <laughs> I think of Tamlin as like the high school quarterback. Like he's clearly attractive, <laughs> but like, where's his substance? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm just waiting mm-hmm. for the substance. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll leave it at that. I love that analogy. Yes. Yeah, that I agree with that 100%. He is <laughs> clearly that she has a crush on him, but you spend this whole time thinking to yourself, why? What is the appeal of this man? He's so boring. <laughs> anyway. She clearly wrote him to look like Henry Cavill and all of his abs. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a blonde, long-haired Fabio Henry Cavill mix. Yes, like from The Witcher when he has like the long yeah. hair. Mm-hmm. I see that. (laughs) Either of you, which character do you connect with the most from this first book? And are they your favorite character as well? So I feel like I connect with a character who um, turns up later in the series. Uh, Mm -hmm. But my favorite character in this book is definitely Lucian. Um, I just think he's hilarious. And I just really enjoy his sarcasm. (laughs) He is my favorite character as well. I, I love like a good reflective character, like Tamlin and Lucian's friendship is very interesting to me. And also Lucian is someone that you continued to learn more about throughout just this first book. It was such a a good slow burn. You were constantly unraveling more about him and he only became more interesting to me. And he's such an active character. He's constantly either helping or hindering Feyre. He's interesting. He's sarcastic and no nonsense, which I love. He just says it like it is. I just loved him. Mm-hmm. I loved him. He was my favorite. I can see that. Yeah. You learn even more about him throughout the rest of the series too, which I think you'll appreciate. Amazing. I already can't wait. And he's a redhead. Can't beat it. Yeah. With a magical eye. I mean, that sounds like my type. So <laughs> mad eye moody, but with red hair. <laughs> How about you, Julia? Do you have a favorite character? Yes, but it doesn't make sense in the first book. So I feel like I connected really well with Feyre in terms Mm -hmm. of she has a rather short temper um, and is looking out for other people almost constantly and feels very selfish, taking time for herself when she does. Um, (laughs) But the character (laughs) that is my favorite character is Resand. But he's a complete asshole in this first book. Um, but you learn more about him later. So Ooh, that's all. that's what I'm leaving it at. He's my favorite character. Anyone that's read these books knows that makes sense. Yeah, Maggie, just wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to have like episodes for each of these books just <laughs> so we can finally talk about everything. <laughs> The people will need to know my reaction Uh, to the sequels. Shelby, you'll come back for those, right? Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Already set. Apparently, I guess it's probably not Tamlin, but is there anyone in the book you have a crush on? I think for me, that's also Lucian in the first book. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm just, I'm definitely a personality driven person. Mm -hmm. Like when Mm -hmm. I like somebody, it's like, sure, attractiveness is nice, but I would never fall for Tamlin in real life. Like no. that's not my type of person. Um, and Lucian is just really funny. I, I picture yeah. him like as a Weasley sort of character. I yeah, totally I would say Lucian that. as well. That's yeah, I'd agree with you on that for this first book. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. He re- he has the most personality and the best personality. He does. He mm-hmm. <laughs> is just so much better than Tamlin. And as part of the curse. Everyone in the spring court has to wear a mask. So you don't even see anybody's faces anyway. You might as well Mm -hmm. fall in love with Lucian. The end. End of story. (laughs) 
I was really what? intrigued by the masks and how yeah. that would translate to like on on screen. Um, you know, like would they look just like masquerade masks or would they look like re- really intricate masks that were like intertwined with their skin? Like I'm just really intrigued. I by know. Them. I'm very intrigued by it as well. I think if I was like a costuming person, that would be my favorite part of creating like the TV show or movie. I'm not sure because at some point they mentioned that one of them looks like an animal mask. And I was like, well, what does, what does that even look like? I'm right. Like how much we know that you, you can see their mouths, like they can eat, but how much of the nose is covered versus like their eyes and the rest of their face, the the top half of it. We won't know. Well, we might actually. Um, We will actually to be continued. Yeah. (laughs) To the end of this Uh, episode. Yeah. So there is an antagonist in this book, but is that there's a couple of them actually. Um, and are those characters actually bad? What do you think? So yes. this is probably a spoiler warning for those of you who haven't read the book yet. Um, but I personally think that Amarantha, Amarantha, however you say her name is like the actual villain of the book. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I actually kind of like her as a villain. She's very interesting and unpredictable. Um, and I think that Sarah J. Moss kind of uses her as a plot device. Like at the end, there's a lot of surprising moments. Um, and Amarantha is clearly unhinged in these moments. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think like her cruelty is so unnecessary, but I think that's very much explained by her madness. Um, and I, I did like her as a villain. Thought she was interesting. Yeah. She, I never knew what to expect with Amarantha. I was like, oh no, this is the moment that Feyre is going to die. <laughs> I was yeah. terrified the entire time. Resand sets himself up to be the bad guy. And we're all supposed to think that he is the main antagonist until we meet Amarantha and then realize that is that is not what true bad guy looks like. Mm-hmm. No, he's also just a pawn in her game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like we actually get to know his real personality because everything he does is in spite of the fact that he's forced to work for her. People that aren't him or Amarantha say that he services her. Like, she's yes. a machine. Like, he services Amarantha. It was like, ugh. ugh Disgusting. Gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a really nice way of putting it. But, dang, that was rough. <laughs> There were a few parts of this book where I was like, this feels unnecessarily sexually disgusting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Mm. Oh my gosh. Um, So did anything in this book surprise or shock you when you were reading it? I think the last like several chapters were kind of like the big surprise and shocking moments of the book. Like when... Mm -hmm. Um, Feyre is coming to rescue Tamlin from Amarantha. I think a lot of that plot is just like very different from the typical Beauty and the Beast retelling, um, which I liked. So that was kind of um, the really fastest moving part of the book for me. I'm trying to think if anything else was like really surprising. I also thought it was surprising when Feyre returns to the mortal realm um, on the behest of Tamlin and her sister um nesta was not actually bewitched like the rest of her family i was about to say that mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was really interesting and i think that really sets up nesta's character for future books i think that that was the plot twist i wasn't expecting yeah that was that was the biggest one for me yeah because even when Feyre goes in search of tamlin to like tell him that she loves him and to rescue him i feel like I didn't know the details of what was going to happen, but it felt like similar plot devices that I've seen mm-hmm. in other either like fairy tales or fantasy stories. So like the test that Amarantha gives her, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like three tests to prove your love. That feels typical mm-hmm. fairy tale. But yeah, when Pharaoh returned home and she was actually able to like have a conversation with Nesta, I thought it was very refreshing. Did you guys, on like a small segue, did you guys figure out Amarantha's riddle before Feyre did? Because I didn't. I was like, man, I I feel real dumb right now. But you figured it out? I did. Actually, the first time I read it, I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) 
this is a difficult riddle. Like, sorry, Julia. <laughs> no, it's fine. I thought it was difficult. But it's also this is why I connect with Feyre. <laughs> it's a fairy tale romance mm-hmm. novel, so I was like, it, it felt like an obvious answer. I also hate it, and this is just me. I was complaining about this earlier today, actually, to a friend. I've read a lot of books this year where people use fairy tales and nursery rhymes as plot devices in their books. Like the authors will write them in to either be spells or riddles or what have you. I don't know what is going on in the world right now, but that is a theme in books these days. And so when I read this incredibly cheesy riddle, (laughs) I just wanted to roll in my grave. It was truly the worst (laughs) part of the book. That that is my least favorite part of the book is the really cheesy riddle. Changed my mind. Oh my gosh. Okay, so for those of you out there that also didn't solve the riddle, hit me up. <laughs> clearly I'm in the minority here. There's no Sorry. shame. No, it's fine. It's fine. I don't mind. We don't really see many of the different fairy courts in this book. We do in later series. So I feel like Shelby and I will probably be able to answer a bit more accurately to this question. Sorry, Maggie. But which court do you think you would live in if you were a fae in the land of Prithian? Before I even read the rest of the series, I was like, I am an autumn court, babe. Get me there immediately. I want fall all of the time. I want sweater weather, uh, crisp fall mornings, like give them to me. Uh, I'm kind of picturing like always like, Hogwarts, All Hallows Eve, Halloween Town mm-hmm. vibes, uh, but like really sophisticated. Um, and in later books, we we learn maybe we don't like everybody in the Autumn Court all of the time, but but um, Lucian's from the Autumn Court, exactly. Um, and we could just go vibe and be best besties with our pumpkin spice lattes in the Autumn Court. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing! Just sitting at like a cafe with your pumpkin spice and just like gossiping with Lucian. That'd be so funny. Well, based off of weather alone, I would say autumn because autumn is my whole aesthetic. I feel mm-hmm. like I dress ready for autumn every single day of my life. Oh, but yes. based off of safety, I guess I would say spring because everywhere else seems a little bit crazy. I could you would I think you would thrive in spring court. Thank you. In this book. Oh. <laughs> but um, not later. later on you would be dead (laughs) that is the one hint i'm giving you okay i cut myself off yeah no based on this book i think i would also want to live in autumn court but then moving into the later books i would definitely live in the night court i knew you were gonna say that it's not all trash okay i'm glad that your low bar for a living (laughs) situation is not all trash (laughs) I would love to travel to all of the courts, though. Like they all right. sound so beautiful in their own ways, and like, like the people to be that an live there. Emissary for all mm-hmm. of the courts would be so cool. And I feel like Lucian maybe would. I mean, he's the emissary for the Spring Court, going to the other ones. I feel like that would be cool. That'd be a cool job. I do want to see them all. I'm so curious to see what they do with them visually. Yes, um, and they get there. What is it? I think it's like the third book. You really see mm-hmm. all of them, if not most of them. You see a few more in the second book. Um, but in the third one, you definitely get to travel. And well, it's like 700 pages long. Mm, looking forward to that. Really good. <laughs> well, this is a good thing. This is a good thing, Maybe You get to live in this world longer. <laughs> I want to do that so badly. But also, I'm in grad school and I'm ignoring my homework to read about fairies. So let's just put this in perspective. <laughs> That's I fair. mean, fair. <laughs> Christmas break, though. Christmas break. I know. I'm going to do so much reading over holidays. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can hold off until Christmas break. Maggie, you got to read it sooner. You got to read at least try. the second one sooner. I w- that one's my favorite so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will read the second Okay, before Christmas. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. That will be You're my welcome. Christmas present. <laughs> Yes, it's my gift to you, actually. Thank you. Well, if you could bring something from the book into reality, what would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. It's got to be the food. 
the way that they describe <laughs> the food. <laughs> like Feyre's, when she returns to the mortal realm, she literally describes the food as like ash in her mouth compared to the Prithian food. Um, and I don't think we get to see like the richness and um, interestingness of the Prithian magic in the first book. Um, so it's hard to like choose that from the first book, but they describe the food as being amazing. So uh, I want that. I could totally see that. I was really worried when they did describe the food like ash in her mouth. I was like, oh no, is it because she ate fairy food? <laughs> and like, no, that's not the case. They describe it much earlier in the book that no, fairy food is fine for you. Um, it's just the fact that there were spices in the fairy food and there weren't spices in the food at home. Like that it didn't taste like anything. I would probably uh the magical tattoos. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a Which one. is not entirely prevalent in the first book other than the one tattoo she gets on her arm while under the mountain. But there are many more in the later books. I'm just like, yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with Shelby. I want food and I want some of that good fairy wine. <laughs> yes. I'm a woman of simple needs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So we've kind of actually already answered this question throughout the the episode, but have you read the other books in the series? Yes, I have read them all. My favorite is also the second book, A Court of Mist and Fury. Um, I think we really diverge from kind of the plot of the first book. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of surprises. Um, and I really like throughout the series how the there's like a slow burn in regards to the world building. Um, I think sometimes in fantasy series, we do so much world building in the first book that we lose some of our plot. Um, and I think Sarah J. Moss actually does like a really good slow building of the world. Um, and we learn more and more every book, which I think is kind of interesting. That is interesting. I, I like that too. I mean, I hadn't put that into words until listening to you say them, but that is a really, really cool thing. Yeah, I'm only like six chapters into the fourth book, and I believe there's going to be six. Yes. So her. So the fifth one is out. And the sixth one, I believe, is slated for 2023. Oh, no. Uh, I know. That's too far away. Shoot. I'm just going to have to keep rereading the series until it comes out. And Maggie, you have only read the first book so far. I have far. only read the first one. I'm so sorry, everybody. No, it's okay. We don't but... like shaming on oh. the podcast. Thank you. I will get to them. I really will. I'm very intrigued to read the rest of the series. There was just enough of a cliffhanger for me to want to keep going without feeling frustrated at it being a rude cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm ready. I'm ready to keep going. So this is a heavy question. But it kind of goes along with the Beauty and the Beast trope that we have. Mm-hmm. Do you think this first book shows the effects of Stockholm Syndrome between Feyre and Tamlin? The answer is totally yes, because Sarah J. Moss has come out and said that she based the original book, this first book, on Beauty and the Beast and two other fairy tales. And Tamlin is cursed. His whole court is cursed unless he can get a human who hates fairies to fall in love with him. And so he steals away this human to fall in love with him so that his curse can break. So he's being kind of terrible. He's completely using this girl and I get it. His kingdom is cursed. It's a terrible situation. And they can't talk about it. (laughs) And they can't talk about it, but he is using her. And she has a really depressing life. Her, when her mom died, she tasked Feyre with taking care of the rest of her family. So Feyre takes care of people who don't appreciate her and don't care about her. She's poor and hungry all of the time. She doesn't have any friends, really. And so when she gets to live a life of luxury, in a way, she gets good food, she's warm, she gets to paint. I mean, of course she has feelings for this guy. He's taking care of her in a way that she was never taken care of before. Yeah, I could see that. I think he gave up on it, though, partway through. I feel like once he stopped actively trying to pursue her friendship or relationship, and then she started being interested, I feel like that's the difference. Is like, if he was constantly the entire time, maybe, trying to have a relationship with her, that would be Stockholm Syndrome. 
but I feel like he stopped at one point. Stockholm Syndrome is just falling in love with your captor. It's not necessarily that he would have to pursue her the whole time. And she did fall in love with him. And in a way, I think he acts more like her captor than her friend for a Mm -hmm. good amount of the book. And also... And this is this is a this is maybe maybe I'm being like completely prudish, but there's a ceremony where Tamlin has to have sex with somebody to like save the earth or something, give them magic for a year. <laughs> I don't really understand the details, obviously. <laughs> I don't live there. Um, but basically he does this. We don't see the details, we don't hear about it, but he performs this ceremony, and then he's all up in Feyre's business. <laughs> Telling her that he wants to get with her. And I'm like, you, you, you just had sex with somebody else. Take a deep breath and go to your room and talk about this in the morning. This is completely right. and inappropriate. Then he, he blames her. He's like, why aren't you in your room? Yeah. She's like, I freaking live here. You guys were outside. I thought this counted. It's like, I was minding my own damn business and you come in- all up in mine. Insane to me. And he bites her. <laughs> And <laughs> and she they weren't it. even friends at that point. They were like close. I just, <laughs> it's gross to me. It's gross. So the answer is yes. I think, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So like Stockholm syndrome in regards to like psychology is this emotional response to trauma. And I think trauma is different for everybody. And it's hard to, t- it's hard to tell if Feyre defines this experience as a traumatic experience because she is being brought into this like amazing new comfortable world. But at the same time, she has been torn away from her family and is being kept captive by somebody. Um, and Tamlin isn't like abusing her, but he is abusing her and- to break the curse, like abusing just like her presence Um, So I think that certainly is up for debate, but I think the intent was to base it off of Beauty and the Beast and developing a relationship consistent with Stockholm Syndrome. We could have used a conversation or two more between the two of them to really feel like there was a foundation of friendship and romance. I just felt like it was a little bit forced. And this is coming from someone who freaking loves Beauty and the Beast. It's my favorite Disney movie. So... I don't know. Did you did you love the gallery scene though? I felt like that was very library from Beauty and the Beast, where he like opened the doors and the gallery was there. I thought that I loved was, it. That was a good touch. I loved it. Yes, I I had that exact same thought. <laughs> I did love that Feyre had like a different hobby than the normal like Beauty and the Beast um, story. I mean, as much as mm-hmm. I love libraries, I thought it was fun that. Uh, Farah got to do something different and have a different talent than just reading that mm-hmm. Belle normally does. Well, she can't I mean, even read. Spoilers: she mm-hmm. can't read. Okay. <laughs> no, it's no no. Yep, sisters never taught her. <laughs> Those dang sisters. <laughs> all right, so here's the information we all want: Is this book a movie or show? And if not, should it be? Well, I know it's been optioned by yes. I think Hulu. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah, the guy that wrote the adaptation for Outlander and Sarah J. Moss are working together on a script for their their Hulu show. Ooh, I feel like it's going to be a really good script. Mm-hmm. It better be. Okay. Very excited. That's exciting. I really worry about casting because I think you had a guest a couple of episodes ago where you talked about the casting for the Uglies series. Um, and she, I feel like we agreed that like, when it comes to book characters, we don't want it to be like an actor or actress that we've known from other things. We just like want somebody to take it out of our mind and put it on the screen. And mm-hmm. that's how I feel about Feyre. Um, I feel like the characters I don't like as much can be famous people. Like Amarantha, I'm a picturing like Angelina Jolie type <gasps> character. Tilda um, Swinton. Oh, yes. Tilda Swinton. That Ooh, is a yeah. good one. Um, I feel like Nesta is going to be like a sharp looking blonde that we've seen somewhere before. Um, but I feel like Feyre needs to be like an undiscovered um, actress. I had a really hard time uh, picturing Feyre. Like, I don't know what color her hair is. I don't I don't really know what she looks like. I just know her like personality and voice enough to not really care about it. Also, because the book is kind of told in her point of view, she doesn't really talk about herself very much. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious to see who they do end up casting. I actually, for this book, sometimes there's like a celebrity that just pops into my head for a character and then they're stuck 
being mm-hmm. that character. But I didn't feel that way with this book. Nobody was really popping out for me. So I'm I'm curious to see what they end up doing. So this is going to sound terrible. But because, like, obviously this is based on Beauty and the Beast and other fairy tales, I just pictured Tamlin as Dan Stevens' beast. <laughs> no. That's a hard pass for me. <laughs> But he has like the long blonde hair. It's it's like yeah. a mane. And I was just like, all right, well, I guess this is where that's at. Um, For uh, Resound's character, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the Netflix series Shadow and Bone. Um, yes. But there is a character played by Ben Barnes, who is one of my favorites. Um, and I like his vibe is the type of vibe I get that from That is Resound. the vibe. I don't yes. know if I would want Ben Barnes to do it. No, but, that but is, like that, that is vibe. the vibe. That is exactly the vibe. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I think that if you are looking to get into the fantasy genre, um, this is a very like palatable read. There's romance, there's fairy tale, there is certainly drama and intrigue. um, And I think it's a good place to start for fantasy. And the fantasy world isn't too heavy. It's very easy to get involved and understand. They don't throw anything at you that's impossible to really get Mm -hmm. a grip on. There's no map in the beginning. There's not 70 pages of exposition. I really enjoyed it. I regret waiting so long to read it, (laughs) but I really, really liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Uh, The prudish part of me is like, I don't think young adults should read this. (laughs) I, I mean, the first book is fine, but it gets like very sexy at points that I feel like ninth grade me would have loved, but I don't think would have been appropriate. No, I feel like this one is fine. I think there's only one scene in this first book where I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whoa, that Mm -hmm. is steamy. These books are actually housed in the adult fantasy section of Barnes & Noble. Especially books two through five, like these are adult fantasy. Um, Book one kind of bridges YA to adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sorry, YA lovers, just just wait a little, a couple years before you read book two. <laughs> you will be fine. You will get there. <laughs> yeah, that's my fun. I mean, it's a great book. Like I freaking loved mm-hmm. it, but it was just one of those like I would not hand this to the 11 year old that I live with, even Ew. though she loves fantasy. I was like, nope, Julia, no, you no. cannot do that. No, I'm not going Percy to. Jackson. Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, like st- stick with those for a bit. <laughs> like there are plenty okay. of other ones. Do not mm-hmm. read these until you are grown and married and have children already. <laughs> <laughs> like all of us in this room. Grown, <laughs> married, with children. That's none of us. <laughs> I've been delivering us. babies all week. There's no child happening here <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> well, does anybody have any book recommendations for people? Absolutely. So I always have book recommendations and I came up with three um, for different reasons of why people might like this book. Um, So the first book is called Graceling. Um, It is a YA fantasy um, that I first read back in eighth grade. So this is definitely appropriate for our YA readers. There's a strong female character. Um, It's very interesting. Um, I think people who liked Akatar would really like it. Um, It's also a series um, if people want something that will last longer than just one book. If you really enjoyed the romance aspect of Akatar, I think you should read Outlander. Maggie knows that I am a huge Outlander fan um, and I love the romance in that book. And there's also a little bit of element of like ancient festivals that go on in that book, but it's more of a historical fiction novel than it is a fantasy novel. And then if you just like fantasy in general, I really love Aragon. And I think Aragon is actually appropriate for younger readers, even though it's technically adult fantasy, um, because you don't have a lot of like the spicy scenes in it. Uh, But it's like classic good fantasy. You have dragons and elves and magic. And um, I read it in elementary school and I've always loved the Aragon series. So I always recommend that for high fantasy lovers. Love it. Those are all great suggestions. I also just want to give a shout out to Graceling because wow... What a book. So good. And I also love that even though it is a series, you could almost read any one of the series first because they follow different characters. Mm -hmm. I am recommending A Great and Terrible Beauty by Libba Bray. Yes, I love that book. 
Yes, it is a trilogy. It is really, really good. It's sort of historical fantasy. It's about a small group of girls living at a boarding school who figure out ways to do sort of earth-driven magic and find a hidden portal to a really beautiful land that's in danger. And it's so good. The whole series is amazing. And the last book is a little spicy. (laughs) It was the first spicy scene I ever read. I remember being like 17 years old and reading this scene in the last book of this trilogy and thinking, oh my, hope my mom doesn't (laughs) see this. (laughs) Oh no. So I was originally going to just not recommend anything other than these books, but I realized that's kind of lame. So I do have one YA fairy series that like has the romance, has not like the the amount of romance that these ones have, um, just like YA appropriate romance, and then fairies and magic and like seasonal stuff. Um, it's called Wings by April Lynn Pike, and it's about this girl who is very beautiful, and she's been homeschooled forever, and finally goes to high school. Like she wants to be with other kids her age. And then once she turns, I believe it's 16, she learns that she is actually a fairy. It's her like learning how to deal with that information and and all of this stuff. Um, and it's pretty good. I when I was reading A Court of Thorns and Roses, it was just like the constant in my brain. I needed to finish this until it was done. Um, Like I needed to sit and read. I couldn't focus on anything else until I had finished the book. And that series, when I read it in high school, had the same feeling. So Wonderful. Well, Shelby, thank you so much for joining us today. And with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Shelby, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to listen to all the future episodes. Aw, thanks. We will definitely have to have you on again um, to talk about more fantasy books or just these ones. If you loved what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family members. And if you're listening with Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you aren't already, subscribe to our Patreon. We release extra content pretty much every week. And if you're in certain tiers, you even get merch. You can also choose to buy us a book, which is a one-time donation option available through PayPal, which can be found in our link tree on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. And if you have any book suggestions or questions, feel free to email us at NovelFindsPodcast at gmail.com. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you so much for listening. We will see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.